Welcome to Victory Church's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. You know, I want to I share with you this morning this word the Lord put on my heart. And, you know, like I've, this last, um, so they've been posting all these old pictures. And I saw this picture that, of me when um, we first started our church. I was 26. I, I, I had, you know, preacher's hair and a preacher's suit. And um, they just they took a picture of me. They wanted to take a picture of me. And so we went outside. And I had put this sign out front that I had painted. I remember it was a big expense at the time. I had to find a sign painter and get the sign and, and paint the, have the sign painted and put up. I was proud of that sign. And um, it listed all the different services that we had throughout the week. And on the top of it was the scripture, all things are possible. Everyone say all things are possible. All things are possible to him that believes. And that was my word. I'm, I, remember, I remember the picture being taken and standing in front of it. And, you know, I still believe that. All things are possible to him that believes. There's a miracle waiting for you. There's miracles waiting for all of us. And we've seen, you know, I've, so I started to reflect on that, you know, in 40, we made our, we've been kind of making our theme this year, 43 years of miracles. And I started thinking about miracles and, and, uh, I, I start, made me th- start thinking a little differently. I heard Rachel share her testimony recently. I don't even remember where we were, but she was telling her testimony again and, and, um, talking about what the Lord had done in her life. And she kept re- saying over and over again, that um, that um, her life, her life was the miracle. You know, in this last week, her her um, her stepmom came to my Bible study, Rachel's stepmom, and she said that that's that that's what it is. She said to her whole family, to the whole family, Rachel's testimony is a miracle. It's an irrefutable miracle. What she used to be and what she is now. You know, she, if you don't know who I'm talking about, it's the director of Mary's song. And it's got a, an incredible story of God's visitation in her life, what happens. And uh, so I started thinking about it, and faces started coming through my mind. These last 43 years, we've seen every kind of miracle you can imagine, from heroin addicts that are now preaching the gospel. We've had homosexuals that are now part of a, a wholesome, healthy nuclear family. You know, think they're Ozzy and Harriet or whatever. <laughs> And we've got, you know, multitudes of people that have been healed of alcoholism and, and depression and every other foul thing you can think of. And there, many of them are sitting here this morning, but, there's, but many are in churches all over the place. You know, thousands and thousands of miracles that have taken place. So that's what I want to, I want to, I'm going to read a passage from the Gospel of Luke and I want us to reflect today. We're going to think about our life. My life is a miracle. One of the prophecies out of Isaiah that, that, that was actually Jesus speaking through the prophet Isaiah about his life, about his, his life as a, as a man and about the fruit of his ministry and the fruit of his death. He said, I and the sons and daughters that God has given to me are for signs and wonders. This is Jesus speaking. This is Jesus today. There's a man seated at the right hand of God saying this over our church and over his church today. I and the children that God has given to me are for signs and wonders. Your life, whether you're in touch with it or not, if you're a Christian, 
The very fact that you are a Christian is a sign and a wonder, especially in this generation. Especially in this generation when there's kickback, unprecedented kickback against Christianity, against the Word of God, against the principles of God's Word, against the power of God's words. Kickback against the anointing. Kickback against the Scriptures. If you are a Christian, you are a sign and a wonder to this generation. I want you to say it with me. I am a sign and a wonder. Say it again. I am a sign and a wonder. So here's the passage of Scripture. It was when John the Baptist had been arrested. And he was... um, He was starting to wonder, you know, he'd prophesied the great prophecy. This is the Lamb of God that will take away the sins of the world. He also said, this is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. But after he was arrested, he began to have some some second thoughts and some doubts. Have any of you ever had doubts before? Let me ask you again. Have any of you ever had doubts? Okay. So John was having doubts. So he, he got two of his disciples. And he sent him to Jesus to ask if he was really the one they were waiting for. And this is how that went. He said, after summoning two of his disciples, John sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the coming one, or, or are we to look for another? He had already said, this is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And this is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. But he was having second thoughts now. When the men came to him, they said... When the men came to Jesus, the two disciples came to Jesus. They said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, are you the coming one? Or are we to look for another? But he didn't answer them at that moment. He didn't give them a, an answer, an academic answer or a, a philosophical answer. But this is how he responded. At that very moment, he cured many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits. He says, you're he says, basically saying, watch this. And see if you think I'm the one. So I, he, he healed. He healed. Cured many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits. And he gave sight to many who were blind. It says he gave sight to many who were blind in that moment. Everyone say many. He gave sight to many that were blind. So it wasn't one random miracle. There were many people, many people in that crowd that were blind that day, were healed that day. While John the Baptist's disciples watched. And they said, he said, go. then he said, go and report to John what you've seen and heard. People who were blind received sight. People who limped walk. People with leprosy are cleansed. And people who are deaf hear. Dead people are raised up. People who are poor have the gospel preached to them. Now this is what this, this these miracles, of course they were real miracles. But these miracles are, are pictures They're pictures into our lives today. They're pictures into the lives of of the people that have become the testimony of Jesus these last 2,000 years. These are miracles of people that were blind that couldn't see. Like the story of blind Mark at Bartimaeus. Mark chapter 10, verse 51 and 52. Replying to this guy, Jesus said, uh, replying to Jesus, he said, he asked Jesus a question. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the man who was blind said, Rabbi, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. Bartimaeus, at this point, up to this point in his life, he couldn't see colorful flowers. 
He couldn't see shimmering streams. He couldn't see sunrises or sunsets. He couldn't see the beautiful face of his wife or the smiles of his children. You know, here's the question I have to ask you today. And, and I, know, I know there was a time in our life that this was, was not true. But, but can you see? Can you see the beautiful sunrises today? And the beautiful sunsets? Do you see the beautiful smile of your wife? Or she just a, a problem in your world? Do you see the, the, the smiles of your children? Do you see the handiwork of God in creation? Because I know for many years I didn't. And most people don't. Because we are blinded. We're blinded by our own sinfulness. We're blinded by sinful condition. And that blindness sometimes continues for many years after our conversion. We see, maybe we begin to see a little bit, but we're still seeing people like, like trees walking and bent over double. We're not seeing clearly yet, but it's only when, when Jesus comes and puts his hands on our eyes. And that's what these miracles are about. That's what he's been doing here in this house for 43 years. He's, he's making blind eyes see. The people that cannot, cannot see his goodness anywhere. All they see is COVID, COVID, COVID. Or all they see is political nightmare. Or all they see is economic mess. Or all they see is all the problems in the world. Hatred, strife, disease, and poverty, and crime. That's all they can see because their eyes are blinded to the smiling face of Jesus that's right in front of us. He's right in front of you. He's right there, and he always has been. And like blind Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus couldn't see him until Jesus said, Your faith has made you whole. And Bartimaeus saw for the first time. And what he saw was the smiling face of Jesus. That's what he saw. Now, you know what? The, the beautiful thing about that is when you're, when you're blind, that has to be the first thing you see. I'm talking about spiritual blindness. The first thing you'll ever see is the face of Jesus. You'll see it. You'll see it in the Word of God. You'll see it in the circumstances of life. You'll see, you'll feel His presence coming upon you. Your eyes are open and you begin to see Him. And then, and then, and then you begin to see the rest of your world from the light that's shining from His face. You see your family from that light. You see your wife from that light. You see your finances from that light. You see your own life and your own purpose from that light. The world changes. I was blind, but now I see. And the miracles. Then there is the miracle of of hearing. You know, Jesus, I'm not going to take the time to read all these scriptures that are posted. You can get them if you like. Uh, he healed this, this one particular deaf man that they brought to Jesus. He was, he was deaf and he was also mute. And Jesus did the unthinkable. He spit on his, he spit on his hands. He put it, he touched the guy's tongue with his spit. You can't do that today, can you? Well, you probably couldn't do it then either. He spit on his hand and he touched his tongue. He touched the guy's tongue with his saliva. And then he, he put he put his spit on his finger and stuck it in the guy's ear. See how try that in the prayer line and see how it works out for you. You'll have a lawsuit. I'm so glad I have a lawyer. <laughs> 
But he did that, and the guy, suddenly he could talk, and suddenly he could hear. He could hear. This deaf man lived in a world of silence. No wind blowing through the trees for him. He couldn't hear the wind in the trees, or the sounds of a rushing river, or the pounding of the waves of the ocean. He heard no laughter, singing, or shouts of victory. He lived in a world of silence until he heard the master cry, Be opened. We were also deaf in our silent worlds. You know, every year they have these people, they go to the beach for spring break. They don't hear the ocean pounding waves. They're looking and listening to something else. Their ears are deaf and their eyes are blind because they're consumed with their own lust and their own flesh. It's the way most people live every day. They don't hear the sounds of creation. They never hear the, the, the birds in the sky or the, the squirrels chirping outside their window. They never hear a babbling brook. They can go to the Smoky Mountains and never notice the beautiful rivers that are there because they're all they want, the nightlife or whatever they're into. Never, never catch it. Never hear. Never hear anything until the day, until the day that it happens and your ears are opened. You hear him. Hey. Frank, come follow me. Hey, John, come follow me. Hey, Rachel, come follow me. Hey, Miriam, come and follow me. And you hear his voice and suddenly your ears open. And when your ears open, you can hear his voice, but you start to hear other things as well. You hear the sounds of laughter. You hear the sounds of joyful singing. You go to church and the sounds are totally different when you leave. You're not roasting somebody or, or criticizing somebody or talking about they should have done it this way or that way because you were so consumed because you heard his voice in the songs. You heard his voice in the testimonies and in the prayers and in the reading and preaching of the word of God. You couldn't hear all that other noise that was trying to crowd your brain because you've heard the sweet voice of his Savior. The miracle of hearing. He's opened your ears. In this story, there's one of the other great miracles that Jesus was always performing was the miracle of, of the paralyzed people that were healed. One of the great stories was in Peter's house when the, the place was packed with people coming to be, to, to be healed and to hear the word of God. And, and these four men climbed up on the roof and drugged their paralyzed friend. How do you do that? How do you drag a paralyzed man up on top of the roof? Took a lot of efforts. Then tear a hole in the roof. And then let him down. And then Jesus told him, he said, your sins are forgiven. Rise, pick up your pallet and go home. And this man walked for the first time. He began to walk. You know, there's, 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 that's really our story. This guy couldn't walk. This man couldn't run. He couldn't play with his kids. He couldn't go for a walk on the beach with his wife. He couldn't hold down a, 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 a job. He was, the tradition says he was a, a bricklayer, this guy, or a, a stone layer. A stonemason. Only the touch of Christ, only the touch of Christ aroused, allowed him to rise and walk. That's the way it is with us. So many things we wanted to do or knew that we should do, but we stumbled around in the dark, unable to walk in his steps. 
We were all paralyzed. How many of you knew the way you were supposed to live and you just couldn't do it? You are going to turn over a new leaf. You're going to be a better dad. You're going to be a better father. You're going to be a better employer. You're going to be a better employee. You're going to be a better you, a better human, a better student, a better teacher. You're going to be more kind or more generous or more loving. But you just couldn't, even though you know you should. You read all the books on being a better father, a better husband. But you knew what you were supposed to do, but you just couldn't do it because it wasn't in your heart. You were paralyzed. Paralyzed like all of us. Paralyzed by our own lusts and our own wants and our own selfishness and our own self-centeredness. And it never, ever changes until, like this paralyzed man, hears the voice of Jesus. And he says, take courage, son. Your sins are forgiven. That's where it starts. Take courage, son. Your sins are forgiven. He's looking over your messed up, paralyzed life today. And he says, take courage, son. Take courage, daughter. Your sins are forgiven. Now pick up your pallets and walk. Strength came in his legs. He couldn't walk before. But now, like the guy, probably like the guy in Acts 3, walking and leaping and praising God, carrying his bed down the road. They carried him there. He carried his bed back home. You will be able to do things you wanted to do and never could. And now you'll like doing them. Your heart. This is the touch of God. Paralysis of the body, the spiritual body, comes from paralysis of the heart. That's where it comes from. He heals this. Your heart is strangely warmed. You begin to love God and you begin to love people. You begin to love your life. You begin to love doing the things that you always despised doing before. They become your, your breads. You're a different kind of person. Let's f- f- wander through this. Just, I'm, I'm not going to hold you much longer, but I've got a couple more things I want to share with you. This, one of the other miracles, this was a very common miracle. Probably one of the ones that John's disciples saw that day was leprosy. People were covered with sores, oozing sores. Is it, is it, is this, this leprous disease began to take hold in someone's body and became more severe. Sometimes fingers and parts of their body would fall off before they died. It was debilitating. It was disgusting. It was something that caused them not only to, to not only be able to, to, to enjoy their life, but they were outcasts from life. Kicked out. Lepers. You know, this, there was a reason this, these miracles are always, are posted in the Bible. These lepers are pictures of, leprosy is a picture of, of filthiness. It's a picture of sin. We were all leprous. We're all filthy in our transgressions and in our sins. All of us were. This pain and embarrassment this guy had, he couldn't take it anymore. He would rather be dead than to live like this. Jesus cleansed this man. His whole world was changed. Now he could go back to his family, go back to work, go back to worship with his friends. He could have a life now. That's what happens when the, when the blood of Jesus and the mercy of God comes over us. No longer ashamed. Some people are paralyzed from their past because of the shame of what they've done. 
They're afraid they could never go back to church because they did this or because this happened or because of a divorce or because of a, an affair or because of, of whatever, stealing something or doing something. And they're miserable in their sins. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Come follow me. He let, he let him touch you with a touch. Jesus wasn't afraid of leprosy. He would do the unthinkable. He would come and he would put his hands on the leprous bodies. He put his hands right on their bodies. He wasn't even wearing a mask. He put his hands right on their bodies. Leprosy. He put his hands on their bodies and they'd be cleansed. Well, you say, oh, well, I'm not Jesus. Well, he said to lay your hands on the sick, too. Say, so put his hands. They were cleansed. He's, he put his hand on you at some point if you're, if you're a Christian. He put his hands and he washed away your filth. He washed away the filthiness of your sin. He put new skin on your body, made you clean. He put a new robe. He put the robe of his own righteousness on you, the wedding garments. He put it on you. You are washed in the blood of Jesus. Now your sins are forgiven. And he says, go and, and sin no more. I've, I've brought new life, a new life in, inside of you. And I'll finish with this. I love this. This is one of this. If I had to pick my favorite miracle, this is my favorite one in the whole Bible. It's only in Luke's gospel. And with the, the widow of Nain's son that was healed. What a story. This woman lost her son coming out of town. Going to the funeral, weeping, carrying on the whole town. The whole town is going to the funeral on this little mountain road. It was a mountain, a little mountainous village with a one road coming into town. And, and then there's other entourage. Jesus and all of his followers were coming up the road and they met in the road. They, yeah, they met in the road. The, the caravan of death and the caravan of life. We were all in that other caravan. Dragging our carcass around. Jesus looked at this mom, this mom who was a widow who lost her husband, now lost her son. He says, don't cry. And he kind of casually leaned over, put his hand on his casket. (laughs) When Jesus puts his hand on your casket... You're not gonna, it's not gonna, you're not gonna stay in it much longer. He puts his hand on caskets for a reason. And he's not, he's not a pallbearer. Jesus is not a pallbearer. He put his hand on the casket and then he said, young man, arise. And the boy set up. What a story. Can you imagine when he went back, that entourage went back and it said there only one entourage went into town. That was all they joined in following Jesus with this boy and this mom rejoicing. Now this story is about you. It's about me. We were all dead in our sins. Paul said it. We were dead in our transgressions, dead in our sins without hope and without God. That's where we all were born. That's all the way we lived our life. I lived that way 21 years. Many of you lived your life more more than that. You lived your life dead in your sins, trying to help yourself, but you couldn't do it. Then Jesus came, put his hand on your casket, and spoke, young man, young woman, I say, get up out of that casket. I've got a plan for your life.
Oh yeah, he breathed his life. He put his hand on my casket on the lakefront in 1973. He said, son, come and follow me. Basically, not these words, but looking back what he was saying the next day, the next day I went out and, and the crazy story, I, I went fishing and on the Wrigley's, didn't know what I was doing, took parrots out there fishing the next day on the Wrigley's. And we started catching fish as fast as we, th- they were catching fish, the guys were with boats catching nothing and we were fish after we filled an ice chest up and left. I had no idea what was going on. We filled the ice chest up in a matter of a few minutes with trout. And then I realized, I think somebody's speaking to me here. What happened last night? What happened today? Come follow me. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. He has a plan for your life. He's placed you in your world strategically. Your family... The place where you work, the place where you go to school, the place where you live. Strategic plan of God. He's he's intended all along for your life to be a miracle story that affects those that are around you. Not just preaching to them real good, but letting Christ live inside of you till they can't deny. I know that person, but this is a different person. This person, oh, this is a sign and a wonder. Christ is truly in their life. I and the children that God has given to me are for signs and wonders. God has a plan for you. He's got a plan for, for you. He's got a plan for your children and for your grandchildren. He's got a plan for your parents. And it's not complicated. It's not having to be, you know, highly educated, even though that's not a bad thing. It's not, it's not knowing uh, volumes about the scriptures, even though that's a, an excellent thing. But it's being a yielded, willing vessel, following Christ, and willing to say, I, I may not know a whole lot, but all I know, I was blind, but now I see. That's all it really takes. I was deaf, but now I can hear. I was lame. Now I can walk. Ah, I was filled with sin. And he washed my sins away in his blood. And I was dead without hope, without help, without a way out. And he put his hand on my casket and he raised me up. And he gave me life. Visit our website at www.victorychurchnola.com for service times and more information.